All right, Kelly Robinson, thank you, sir, and welcome, everybody. So glad to have you tuned to our program this morning. I will be here for the next almost an hour to answer your lawn and garden questions, and I hope you will uh, stay with us for that almost an hour. And uh, give me a call if I can help you with a plant question. We uh, have Steve in Granbury will be up in just a moment. Steve called bright and early this morning, bright and early at 11 (laughs) o'clock. But he was there waiting when we opened the doors. The uh, toll-free number, if you'd like to be second in line, is 888-256-1080. Jared Taylor is running the boards and answering the phones, doing all that stuff. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. We can talk about the plants that you have, whether they're alive or not, whether they're thriving, what you can do to help them thrive if they are trying to thrive for you, what you need to be planting in your vegetable garden, your flower garden, whatever it is. I broadcast to about 33 stations across the state of Texas, and the program airs all the way from the Panhandle, the northern parts of the Panhandle, to Corpus Christi in Victoria, so we cover a big swath of Texas, parts of Texas that uh, rarely get winter weather like they had this year, and parts of Texas that get that kind of weather every winter, so uh, I'll be happy to help you any way I can. Uh, I'm going to do my uh, pre-emergent weed killer commentary in just a few moments. I want to get to Steve, but I do need to take my first break, and and then we'll get the program up and underway. Once again, if you'd like to give a call, we are live here in the middle of uh, March, almost the middle, 888-256-1080, the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Give me a call, won't you please? 888-256-1080. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening is my latest book. I have a very important message to give you, uh, and that is that this is the fourth printing of the book, and this is the last day that I will be doing ads here for the fourth printing of the book. I'm pretty sure that's the case. We are down now to just a few hundred. I found a few more boxes of books uh, when I went to storage and, and looked, and and indeed there were some stacked in a corner that we didn't realize were uh, there. And uh, so I do have a few more, but it's down to just a few hundred copies. And uh, last week, well, let me put it this way. E-Gardens, night before last, uh, we sold uh, 250 books. And that's, uh, have have a few hundred left. I think three or 400 left is all. And so I think radio this weekend will probably exhaust the supply. This is the book that will help ensure your gardening success. The fifth printing will go on the press a week from Monday. Uh, There was a paper shortage, and so we are going to be delayed with it. So if you'd like to get a copy of the book right away, you need to order right away. And that's from my website. It's not in stores, and it's not on Amazon. The only place you can get it is from my website or by calling my office Monday through Friday. But I would encourage you not to wait. If you can possibly order it from the website, I would do so right now. 344 pages, 840 of my best photographs. It's 11 chapters that cover every aspect of outdoor gardening in the great state of Texas. It might be the only gardening reference you will need. There are more than 25 multi-page charts to help you find the right plant for your needs. Chapter 2 I've never put in a book before. Chapter 2 is a 48-page calendar telling you when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all the plants in your landscape and garden. You'll find out what to do each time you turn the page to a new month. What do I need to do in that month? That chapter alone will pay for the book. 
I guarantee your satisfaction with this book or I'll refund every penny that you invest in it. It's only $34.95 plus tax and postage. I will sign your copy as it sells. I'll be signing all afternoon after I finish radio. I'll be signing this evening and all afternoon tomorrow. And we'll put them all in the mail then probably Tuesday. It's going to take a while to get all the labels ready and get them all in the boxes. I don't do the labels, but I do the signing and the boxing. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. Again, not in stores and not on Amazon. Get one of the last remaining copies of the fourth printing. Avoid the delay of waiting for that fifth printing to come off the presses. Order now at neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Or you can call my office Monday through Friday. I wouldn't wait. If you can possibly order online, I'd do that. But the phone number is 800-752-GROW. That's 800-752-4769. But that better way is at neilsperry.com. The 1930s were difficult times for America. The country was in the Great Depression, jobs were scarce, but hopes remained high. It was during that time that Mueller started making metal products. Well, now, 90 years later, the Mueller name is known across the South as having the finest in quality steel and workmanship. Mueller and its products, they understand what it means to weather the storm. A Mueller metal roof is made to last and to protect you and your most valued possessions from the harsh weather we're accustomed to in Texas. A Mueller metal roof can endure the intense sun, the heavy rain, hail, and even snowstorms for years to come. That's much longer than conventional roofs. If you want peace of mind for the future, choose a metal roof for your home, a roof that's made by Mueller. Visit MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. Learn more and find a location near you. You'll see why a Mueller metal roof is the best thing to put over your head. Give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. Or stop by one of their 33 locations. Mueller, they're made in America. And they're made to last. MuellerInc.com I'll have more after this message. Thank you, Kelly, very, very much. And uh, I'm going to sneak in a really quick mention on uh, pre-emergence. And that is that uh, you need to get the pre-emergence applied now for crabgrass and for grass burrs. That would be a Dimension. It would be Halts or it would be Baylan. Uh, those are available, uh, Dimension, at retail nurseries, independent retail nurseries for the most part. Halts at uh, hardware stores and uh, the national chain uh, box stores. And Baylan, uh, often at feed stores. There is a lot of uh, overlap, uh, so those are not the only places you will find those, but just uh, in general terms, those are some places. Um, you need to get uh, those applied in South Texas post-haste this weekend. In Central Texas, you have the next few days to get them out. In North Texas, it's the beginning of your time to apply them. Uh, you have to put these granules out, one of, one of those, any one of those. You need to apply them before the weed seeds start to germinate. Once they germinate, you're too late. Uh, so that's one one uh, thing. 
Uh, you also need to repeat that application 90 days later uh, because our growing season is so very long in Texas and these materials are effective for about 100 days. So you need another application 90 days from now. Uh, these are safe for use on any kind of lawn uh, as long as it's been in the ground uh, growing since last summer very early fall September. If it was planted late in the fall or, or over the winter, no, don't be putting pre-emergent on it. Texas A&M has warned us that St. Augustine may have been damaged by the cold and they are suggesting that if there's any chance that your St. Augustine is not going to green up, don't be putting pre-emergence in those areas because you may have to come back and put more sod in. Uh, St. Augustine generally will crowd out those weeds, uh, the uh, crabgrass and grass spurs, so it may not be as necessary that you put a pre-emergent on St. Augustine. Uh, those weeds typically show up a lot more often in Bermuda grass lawns. Uh, what else I need to tell you? I think that's everything. Uh, apply the granules and then water lightly after you put them on, kind of moderately after you put them on. Um, mow the lawn first. Uh, if you're going to scalp your lawn, do that first and then put the granules on. I think that covers everything. All right, let's go to Steve. Steve is in Granbury. He's been waiting very patiently. Steve, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking our call. Yes, sir. We have um, 20-year-old plants, and they live in the... Uh, front of our house, we have a circular driveway, and we have a berm that has eight different plants. Three are Indian hawthorn, three are pittosporum. When we say three, it could be five because they've grown together. Mm -hmm. There's a red yucca plant, and there's one uh, uh, rosebush uh, with beautiful white blooms. The Indian hawthorn are in really bad shape. Uh, it looks like fungal leaf spot, uh, and that it started about three years ago. It's got progressively worse, and my wife tells me in listening to your show from time to time that there's not much that can be done about it. Right. Um, and it's we have other Indian hawthorn uh, around our property. Uh, we live right on the lake. We we water out of the lake, and I only mention that because the water in, in out of Lake Granbury is very salty. Um, we have the wrong in the berm in the front. We have the wrong sp spray type uh, sprinklers, irrigators, instead of the bubblers. And we need we think we need to start over because we've got a combination of disease plants in the form of the Indian hawthorn. And the pittosporum that are there, they're huge. It's very hard to keep them aerated. Uh, they developed a white scale underneath, and our, our people that service our yard, uh, True Green, we have not only the lawn service, but they service our plants. Yeah, Steve, I need to get to your question. I, I think the pittosporum, I think pittosporum and, and Indian hawthorns probably froze, didn't they, this winter? They did. Yeah, and pittosporum, I've never seen an insect or disease kill pittosporum. I think the, the, the white that you're seeing may be salt residue from your water. That would be my guess. Right. Um, but I, in a clear conscience, could not recommend pittosporum as a replant. I love the shrub, but I gave up on it in north-central Texas, and, and including Granberry. I gave up on it in 1974 or five. I lost an entire planting of it in Farmer's Branch, and I said, 
wow, that's news to me. And I started doing some research, and I realized that that plant's not as winter-hardy as I thought it was. Yikes, because I grew up in College Station, and I made a, a living as a high school kid uh, pruning pittosporum for people. I knew how to prune them so you couldn't see that they'd been pruned and uh, by reaching way down into the plant. Well, so I liked the plant a lot, and I used it, and then I lost it all. So I, I think you need to go to some other shrub. Uh, in terms of right. Indian hawthorns, they look like rubber, like dark brown rubber all across north-central Texas. I yes. put it in my eGardens newsletter night before last and wrote about it and a lot of other plants that were lost to the freeze. Uh, so I think with Indian hawthorn, you're looking at something like uh, Carissa holly or dwarf yopon holly or uh, some of the other dwarf plants to replace uh, the Indian hawthorn. Uh, with pittosporum, it depends on which pittosporum you had. Uh, do you have green pittosporum or variegated? Green. All right. And so how tall was it? Uh, about three feet uh, tall. And we, we were told that they had that cottony scale. That, uh, All right. Well, that's immaterial. To, so I don't want to spend hours talking about that. Uh, was this Wheeler's Dwarf Pittosporum or was it, was, did you prune it forevermore to keep it that short? You know, the plants were here when we bought the house. So okay. We well, you're, again, you're going to have the same cast of characters that you have to replace the Indian hawthorns. You're going to have Carissa holly, dwarf Yopon holly, dwarf Burford holly, dwarf Chinese holly. The hollies are so infallible that they are the best replacement plants. You could use a tam juniper. You could use uh, some of the dwarf uh, nandinas like uh, compacta or harbor dwarf, harbor bell, flirt. Um, those are those are all good. I'm a holly fanatic, especially in north central Texas and, and the eastern half of the state. So that would be where I would start. But uh, anyway, I hope that helps. But yeah, you. When we start over, uh, Neil, do we need to do anything to the soil? Yeah, you do. Plants need a, a fair chance. You do what you would do as you were starting with a brand new landscape because they've been in there a long time, and you basically have your original soil there. So yeah, I'd work organic matter in and. And uh, uh, just uh, do the homework on how large the plants will grow. Make sure you're buying the right one and uh, space them accordingly. But, yes, yeah, you need but to no fungicide, no treatment like that. No, you don't put anything preventive down. Okay. You just you buy plants that aren't going to have that problem. And, and the pittosporum did not have anything that would kill it. It, it uh, The freeze got it. So Okay. Anyway, hey, I appreciate your call very, very much. Thank you. Thanks for calling early. Let yeah. me see. Let's go to uh, Mickey in Navasota. Mickey, this is Neil. Good morning. Oh, howdy, Neil. Hi there. Yep, I've got uh, two live oak trees that were planted in uh, 2010 by a uh, landscape, uh, by a uh, nurseryman, out of 30-inch uh, pots. Okay. And they were probably 2-inch caliper at that time. They're about 8 or 9 caliper now. But the... Uh, the disastrously affected by the freeze a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, they were all across Texas. They all yeah. have been uh, browned very uh, greatly. Are you seeing some new growth coming out yet? Not yet, no. It will. Uh, all the leaves are coming off. Oh, yeah. Every live oak in, in Texas uh, is, uh, I was looking in this morning, and we had a work day at our World Collection Park of Crepe Myrtles, and I was looking at the live oaks uh, around McKinney, 
and uh, they are all everywhere in Texas. I've been answering this for everybody. If you <laughs> if you take my electronic newsletter or if you follow my Facebook page, you've seen the posts that I've made. And the last time I put it up on Facebook, it had 120,000 page views. Um, everybody is is seeing this. Uh, there will come a time in the next week or two when people will say, "Hey, look here, I've got new new buds coming on my live oak," and. Uh, they're, they're so there is hope going forward with these. Oh, it, they're going to be fine. They would have lost all their leaves anyway. They just would have been a lot more graceful about it. In this way, it was just a massive dump all at once. Right, that's good news, Neil. Thank you yeah. very much. Yep, you're all all will be well. Thanks for the call very much. Neil's phrase eGardens is the newsletter I was talking about just now, and if you subscribe to it, it's free. It comes out every Thursday, just a little after 6 p.m. It comes directly from my computer to your email box. We'd love to have you as a subscriber. We have uh, more than 70,000 people who look forward to it each week. It has a very high open rate uh, among some of the highest. It has a, uh, my, my uh, webmaster tells me, Neil, this thing has a gigantic open rate for newsletters. This is just great. It has five stories each week. One story will always be a featured question of the week. That was one of the questions a couple weeks ago. What on earth happened to my live oaks? And... Uh, it also has gardening this weekend where I point out things that you need to be doing in your landscape and garden in the current week. It also will uh, have uh, a featured plant of the week and then a couple of other stories. This week it had Diane Sitton talking about whirly gigs in the landscape, and I got a lot of nice comments about that. She's a really gifted uh, photographer and writer. So that's what eGardens is all about. If you want to see what it looks like, go to my website. That's where you sign up for it. And you can also see the most recent issue. And in fact, in that issue, I took about 20 of the most common landscape plants, including live oaks and uh, a lot of others, wax ligustrum and a lot of others. And I identified where we are now with them. Here's what happened to them. How are they doing? What are the chances that they'll come back? Uh, relative to the cold damage. And so that's in eGardens. You can see that if you go to my website, to neilsperry.com. It's where you also buy that book I mentioned a moment ago. And you click on the eGardens tab in this case, neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Click on eGardens, scroll down, you'll see the place to sign up, and you'll also see your chance to uh, look at the uh, March 11 issue of Neil Sperry's eGardens at neilsperry.com. I'll have more after these messages. Thank you, Kelly, very much. You know, just sitting here thinking about those live oaks in Navasota. That's way south in Texas. And to have that kind of impact across the entire state, a cold spell was just monumental. I've been in this state all my life, with the exception of six years that I was in Ohio in school and then teaching. And Oh my gosh, that is just a monumental cold spell to do that kind of, I don't want to call it damage in the case of live oaks, uh, some of the other plants, but goodness gracious, it uh, it was one for the record books. Let's go to Gloria in Corpus Christi. Gloria, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Certainly. I am looking to uh, install or start a plant, some type of sound barrier uh, between our house and the neighbor, um, and I was thinking of Fraser Botinias, but I'm not sure if you have a better suggestion. I do. 
I will I will put a thousand plant names in a hat and I will draw them blindfolded, and it would be the it would be the worst one I could draw out of that hat. It has oh, a fatal okay. it has a fatal disease. That was really rude of me. I apologize. No, okay. I'm trying to be a better man than that. I'm in recovery from <laughs> judgmentalism, and I just relapsed. <laughs> That plant has a fatal disease. It's a beautiful shrub, and uh, Entomosporium fungal leaf spot rules it out completely. It, you just should not plant it because it'll it'll eventually have that disease. It's the same disease that the gentleman was talking about on red t- on uh, on Indian hawthorns. Um, your best bet for uh, privacy uh, would be uh, where you are would be. Uh, uh, again, I'm going to go with some of the hollies. You could also use uh, oleanders where you are. They are poisonous, uh, and, and you need to know that, but uh, I, you don't hear of people having problems with them. Uh, and, and so I offer that as, as a, you know, a lot of our plants are poisonous. Tulips and hyacinths are, and daffodils are poisonous, or azaleas, or uh, tomato leaves. Uh, you know, they're just a lot of things, and, and yet... Uh, so anyway, but oleanders do beautifully. Maybe not this past winter, but <laughs> but that's a that's a good possibility. And there are several others, but those would be the ones that I would uh, go with in in, uh, in instead of the red tip photinias, the Fraser photinia, okay. um, and probably some that that I'm that are not just popping to my mind uh, because I'm at the other side of Texas, and and uh, you all have a, a bigger palette of subtropical plants than than I'm used to thinking about mm-hmm. I would okay. I would talk to I would talk to a really good um, what I a Japanese you would be a good example if the if the oh. conditions are right that would be a beautiful plant for you and yes. oh, how I wish I could live in an area where that one would survive it's uh, yes. not winter hardy in in North Texas a lot of my yes. neighbors uh, found out this winter that one's not going to grow for them and it, mm-hmm. it froze uh, even in Austin. Uh, people lost it. But it's just wow. a beautiful shrub, and it's rather upright, which is good. It, it gives you privacy oh, yeah. without taking a lot of room. But anyway, yeah, I would talk to a good trees. independent garden center. I'm sorry. Say it again. Yeah, we have, there, there are people that have been growing those Japanese yews for so long that they, you know, they're, they're 20-foot trees. <laughs> because yeah, well, you can trim them and keep them a little more compact than that, but they're they're just right. beautiful. And as I mentioned, some of the hollies would be nice, too. So anyway. Great idea. Thank you so much. You are welcome so much. Love love hearing from Corpus Christi. Thank you. Let me go to Joseph in College Station, my hometown where I grew up. Joseph, this is Neil. Good morning. Hey, Aggieland says hi. We have our grandson in our house with us right now. He is 11, and he is Joseph. And I have, for the last seven years, been the only one who called him Joseph because I love the name. And just about a week ago, he said to us, I kind of like having my name Joseph instead of Joe. And I just wanted to do the happy dance down the hall. It just made my life. So I like seeing your name up there. It just reminded me of that moment. How can I help you today? Well, it took me 70 years to finally decide I should be Joseph and not Joe. (laughs) It's it's such a beautiful name. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, It's real simple. The... I have house with the windows go low and we had some kind of thing there and I've got a landscaper. Should I be looking to dig those things up and replant or try to uh, prune them? All right. I want to make sure I understand the shrubs have just gotten too big. Is that the problem? 
No, they've got burnt up at the fort. Oh, they they froze. Oh yeah. Okay, I need to know what they are. That's the that's the hang up for me now, Joseph. Because if they're able to come back, then you want to wait another week or two and see how much they froze. Ah, uh, because okay. because what we've been trying to do in the nursery industry. I'm not a nurseryman, uh, but I hang out with some <laughs> a lot. And what we all have been trying to get across to people is be patient. This was a tremendous shock to the shrubs and trees of Texas because it came so late in the winter and it was so extreme. And it, it's taking plants a long time to gear it back up for spring growth. The things that normally bloom uh, in, in Texas, we'll just pick a date on March 1st are blooming now on March 13th or 14th or 15th. They're, they're two weeks late. And this re-leafing of plants, uh, the, the new buds that are coming out, is are, that's just now happening on shrubs. It's, it's taken them a month to recover. That was uh, the 16th of February when the coldest weather hit. And here we are almost a month after that, and they're just now uh, offering to put new growth out. They really got hurt. Um, if, do you know what any of these shrubs are? No, no idea. I've always had a lawn, lawn uh, care and that, and I just wanted to be one step ahead and understand what uh, what the uh, options were. And so I think you've given me the two. And well, wait, that's that's what I would do is I'd find out what they are first. If you can take samples and generous samples, do they still have the leaves or have they dropped their leaves? They've still got their leaves, but they're all uh, brown colored. No, I, I get that. Um, all right, so if you can get a clipping that is six or eight inches long and get into a good independent retail garden center, uh, a place where you can talk to somebody who is a full-time plant person, if you can go down to Martha's Bloomers in Navasota or if you go up to Producers in Bryan and, and show them the samples and ask them what is this, uh, that would be a good head start because if you have a plant that was kind of iffy anyway in College Station, uh, I'll, I'll use an example. This is not what you'd have, but let's just say you had a bottle brush plant. Uh, you were lucky that it ever survived, at least from my experience as a kid growing up in College Station and growing them. Uh, mine froze every year on me. And and so that one is something that, uh, you know, I got what I deserved on that one. Uh, and, and so it helps to know what the plant is. Uh, they'll help you with that, and they'll be able to tell you now that's that one you can go ahead and take out. It's not going to come back. But they also will probably tell you on a lot of them that probably will come back, give it another two or three weeks to identify where it will be putting out new leaves, and then you may just need to do some pruning to reshape them. That would be that would be my guess. I'd, I'd offer to let you post photos on my Facebook page, but it's kind of hard to tell sometimes from just photos what a plant is after after four weeks. Some of the leaves change so much. Yeah, well, that's all good information, and I'm ready to act on it because I got the uh, professionals to uh, do the work, and uh, producers has uh, got a great reputation up here. So I'm well, they're see. great. They're great people. One one last comment, one last suggestion. You can mm -hmm. also tell if part of the plant is alive or not, the outer part out at the ends of the branches, by bending them gently between between your thumb and your index finger, just bend them as if you were bending a wire, a coat hanger or something. And if it bends easily and is pliable, even if it eventually snaps, if it bends easily, that's probably living tissue. If it bends and pops 
like a wishbone would pop or a little thin bone and it's brown on the inside, then that, that part of that twig is dead and you can go a little farther down on that branch and do it again and if it's if it's dead there too you can trace it down a ways and tell scratching the bark isn't really much of an indication because the green color will remain for a while but but if it's if it's uh, pliable then it's it's living so that's another thing you do great i'll do that right now all right good luck with it after your program's over Oh, I'll give you that. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Take care. All right, his line open. In fact, we've got a couple of open lines now. Have a couple open. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. 888-256-1080. All right, so here is perhaps the last ad, very likely the last ad that I will do for the fourth printing of my book. Yes, there will be a fifth printing, but it's not going to be available until sometime in April. Uh, the uh, paper shortage uh, last year it was it was the pandemic that slowed down the presses this year it's a paper shortage it is always something have you heard that this is the book that will help ensure your gardening success neil spray's lone star gardening 344 pages on high quality paper i've told you that that's why i'm waiting for that paper 840 of my photographs it's a 11 chapters. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas. Chapter 2 is that 48-page calendar of when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all the plants in your landscape and garden. Chapters 3 through 11 are trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. Detailed, comprehensive chapters on each of those topics. This book is not in stores, and it's not on Amazon. It's available only from my website or by calling my office. We have a few hundred copies of the fourth printing available. I found a few uh, boxes, uh, several, I think probably 20 boxes uh, this week, and uh, didn't know I had those boxes. They got pushed behind something in storage. So... They are available to you now. They will be gone by this time next week. They'll probably be gone by this time tomorrow. So I would suggest that you order right now from my website, from neilsperry.com. Not in stores, not on Amazon. I sign every copy as it sells. It's only $34.95 plus tax and postage, and I guarantee your satisfaction. When the fourth printing is done and sold out, it will be 60,000 copies that we will have sold, and I've not been asked once to refund anything on any one of those books. But I will do so if you're unhappy with the book. I don't believe you will be. That's at neilsperry.com. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening, a totally different look and layout and and 30 years more up to date than the old uh, cowboy boot book. Get it at neilsperry.com or call my office Monday, 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769, neilsperry.com, Lone Star Gardening. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you. Let's go to Sue Ellen in Bryan. Sue Ellen, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. How may I help you? Okay. I have a beautiful, huge pecan tree in my backyard that I discovered. It, it has some old tree limbs and just small tree limbs piled up that the mowers have put over the years when they mow, and it's in their way. And it's full of carpenter ants, and I want to put poison out, but I don't want to kill the pecan tree, so I wanted to see what you thought. 
Uh, so the where are the where are the ants? They're in fallen branches or cut branches that are just on the ground. Yeah, they're just on the ground. I, they've built beds, I know, because it's just covered with them. I, I tried to move them out this past weekend, and that's when I discovered it. Are these fire ants or carpenter ants? Carpenter ants. All right. Why don't you just pull the take a hoe? Okay. And pull those logs out away. I don't know how big these logs are. I, I, I'm not getting a picture of it all. But why don't you just pull them out of away? They're not going to hurt the. They're not going to hurt the living tree. I don't think. I don't know why they would. Why don't you just get them out of the way and and uh, do something with the logs? That sounds like a great idea. Don't put poison at all. Correct. I, it would seem logical to me. Put them over there somewhere else in the yard, or uh, I don't know if you're in a part of uh, a rural area where you'd be allowed to burn them. Uh, you can, in most parts of Texas, I believe you can burn uh, fallen uh, uh, limbs and things that have come on your property. I believe, but in any event, you could put them where they can rot and uh, ants would go away at that point. I don't know what happens to ants when their their home goes away, but. <laughs> Suddenly they're homeless. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, that sounds great. I appreciate it. All right, thanks for the call. Let me uh, take my last break. We will come back and go to Brad in College Station. We'll just go down Highway 6 a little bit, Texas Avenue. I used to ride my bicycle to go to the Fidelity House Record Shop and Township Shopping Center on Highway 6, Texas Avenue when I was a kid. Oh, my goodness. I was... About an eighth grader, I guess. Oh, how times have changed. That is geezer talk. (laughs) Oh, oh my goodness. That was to buy records. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. My website is neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. And uh, that is where you go to buy my book, Lone Star Gardening. It's the only place you can buy my book. By the way, as I said... Just about out of the fourth printing of the book. Better get there and get the book ordered. It's where you go also to sign up for Neil Spray's eGardens, my free electronic newsletter. It comes out on Thursdays. It's also where you can find my 1,001 frequently asked questions. It's amazing to me how many times people ask those same questions. That may be why they're the 1,001 frequently asked questions. And I have some information there on Rose Rosette virus that I've left archived and a lot of other information. St. Augustine Diagnostics to help you figure out what's wrong with your St. Augustine and so on and on and on. Right there at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Why should you pay every month for a temporary storage facility when you can own a Mueller building? Mueller's backyard buildings are easy to assemble, affordable, and they offer a permanent storage solution right in your own backyard. With a variety of sizes available and more than 30 colors from which to choose, their backyard building kits complement any home or landscape. And if your equipment requires even more storage space, Mueller's standard series buildings are ready to go to work for you. They're just fabulous. From workshops to big barns, these pre-engineered bolt-together buildings come in a variety of size and color options. And you can also visit them online at MuellerInc.com. M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. You can get a free customized building estimate. While you're there, click on the color selector tool. Make choosing the perfect combination of colors an easy decision. To find out more about Mueller Steel Buildings and Metal Roofing, call 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877 268 
888-238-3553 or visit them online at MuellerInc.com. Mueller means more. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. Let's uh, go to uh, College Station. We'll talk to Brad. Brad, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm wonderful. Always good to hear from College Station. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, revisiting the Indian Hawthorne issue, uh, I have one that has lots of brown and crispy leaves on the outside that are obviously dead, but the stems are still pliable, as you mentioned earlier in the show. Okay. Would it beneficial for me to try to remove the old dead leaves to help the new ones bud out yeah i don't think i'd remove the leaves i think i'd probably do a, a, a pruning and in this case i probably would shear them because the the plants generally are, are very dense and so if you have a gasoline powered hedge trimmer or even electric uh, hedge trimmer i would i would probably i haven't seen how they look in in brazos county i know that in the Dallas Fort Worth area, they are dead dead. I mean, they're they're crisp all the way to the center of the plant, centers of the plants. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't matter. But I can imagine if you have green tissue and green, are there any green leaves down in the in the core of the plant? Not a one, no sir. Well, that's not good. And flexible <laughs> may mean that they're just rubbery down there. Um, yeah, I, I'm just. I'm I'm amazed at the magnitude of the damage to certain plants. Some plants came back better than we expected, and uh, I've I've had Indian hawthorns for 50 years in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and this is the first time I've seen them be hurt this badly. Um, I, I think I would probably just uh, prune some and see if they offer if they don't offer to come out within the next two or three weeks then they're going to be coming out permanently, <laughs> I think. Yeah. I think you're going to have to make that decision. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I, I wish I had better that. news for you, but it doesn't sound like they're uh, too happy about being there. Well, you said it earlier, Texas all my life, I've never experienced a cold like that. So, and no. I'm 62. Well, December 23, 1989, it went to four below zero in my landscape in, in McKinney, Texas, out in the country. We're typically just a little bit colder than DFW Airport. We wow. The McKinney Airport went to four below zero this year. The Weatherbug app that I have on my phone recorded four right. below at McKinney Airport. And uh, we may have been a little colder here. I didn't really look. Um, yeah. and, and the damage, I think, it, it kind of varies. Um, if our St. Augustine lawns in, in the Metroplex make it through this year, that will be different because it was they were lost in eight, uh, 89. Uh, we had yeah. that extended cold spill in 83, 84 that went through Christmas and into the new year, and we lost a lot of plants with that. It didn't get as cold by any measure, but it was, it was uh, in Dallas, 295 hours consecutively below freezing, and that did a huge amount of damage to things. Uh, and probably yeah, sure. Indian Hawthorns got it then. I know Waxley Flagustrum was killed completely. So I, I just don't know. I don't know what to expect. We're going to find out. Within We've been asking people to wait four to five weeks, and we are in that time period now. So uh, I think we're going to find out if Indian Hawthorn doesn't offer to butt out, we're going to have to take them out and replace them. And I, I think it's that's going to happen. Year. Yeah, it has. It has. It sure has. <laughs> in many ways. Well, Taking the time. Thank you. I appreciate your call so much. Have a good day. All right. Uh, 
it's uh, we're going to see some some crepe myrtles that will freeze back, and we're going to have to replace those. And not replace, but we're going to have to retrain them. They'll come back from their roots. I've not seen crepe myrtles ever uh, freeze out in Texas and be lost, except for the little bitty miniature weeping, the ones with the the Louisiana names, the like uh, Lafayette and Baton Rouge and New Orleans and Cordon Bleu. Those with the Cajun names. Um, those I've, I've seen lost completely, but generally the other crepe myrtles will come back from their roots. The, the ones that always in our crepe myrtle trails of McKinney plantings, we've planted 40,000 or so in, in McKinney and Natchez and Muskogee and Tuscarora frequently die to the ground in our area, but they come back. We just have to retrain them all the time. So we're trying to change over to better varieties. And so... You just we're going to know in the next week or two, and I'll keep reporting. eGardens is where I do a lot of that reporting, my electronic newsletter. So sign up at my website if you don't already get it. Jared Taylor, nice job running the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful week. Until next week, happy gardening.